This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. Using existing network infrastructure has long been talked up as an efficient way to manage and deliver digital signage solutions in large companies. But the concept has been clouded by concerns, like the cost of additional AV hardware and the impact of all that video on the company network. But we now live in a world where companies support countless video conferencing sessions with piles of users with little or no latency. Other technologies have also caught up, and computing just keeps getting more powerful. Which is why I was interested in chatting with Shane Vega, VP of Marketing for the Silicon Valley software firm Userful, about his company's AV over IP solutions. The company has its roots in Calgary, Alberta, and still does a lot of the R&D work there. Userful first showed up in digital signage circles talking about a different way using software and endpoints to drive video walls. But in the last few years, it has been much more focused on a broader IP-driven solution that tends to start with control rooms and operation centers, but can also drive things like meeting room displays and digital signage around corporate campuses. There's been a lot of discussion about AV needs converging with IT interests, but from Vegas's perspective, that convergence is already firmly in place. Shane, thank you for joining me. Where are you today? I am in sunny Tampa, Florida, where although it's not all that sunny today, we got some rain, but that's per the norm. Now, Userful is Silicon Valley, but a lot of its developers are in Calgary, right? Yeah, that's correct. All of our R&D engineering team and the like, they're all up in, in Calgary, Canada. So you're missing the stampede this week. I am missing the stampede, um, but you know what? I, I believe they deserve a bit of some good time because they spend the majority of the time avoiding the minus 30 degree weather. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I spent a number of years in Calgary, and it's uh, it's an interesting weather city. Yeah, you know you know it's bad when they've developed an entire infrastructure of you know walkways between buildings to avoid having to go outside. Yeah, just like Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we uh, we had a quick chat in the LG booth at Infocom, and you explained what. Userful was up to with its Infinity platform and AV over IP and AV as a service and so on. And I've seen that. I, I, I will wholeheartedly admit I don't totally get it. But how you explained it to me was very, very interesting. And I, I thought this would be useful for a lot of people to understand the infrastructure and distribution side of digital science. We spend so much time talking about the content and uh, you know, business strategy and all those sorts of things, but uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff is awfully important. And I'm maybe we could start out by just explaining uh, what Userful is and does, and where you came from. Because when Userful, Userful first came out, it was presented to me as video wall software, and I had a hell of a time 
wrapping my brain around what it was all about, but I know you guys have evolved quite a bit. Yeah, I appreciate that, Dave. So um, yeah, to answer your question, Userful has grown exponentially in the last five plus years. Um, John Marshall, our CEO, came on board about seven years or so ago. My timing might be a little bit off. Um, and when he came into the organization, we were A, a perpetual software company, right? So we weren't, we weren't a software as a service. We weren't selling subscriptions. You buy a license. We were perpetual software. Uh, I'm sorry, I missed that. You'd buy a license and then right. get that supported. Yeah, you buy a license, then we, we support it for the duration of, of however long you wanted to use it. Um, and, and the license for the software was, you know, pretty siloed, right? It was, hey, you can buy this operations center license where, to your point, we were just managing soft, we were managing content on a video wall. Largely we control evolved rooms, a little bit right? to, to digital signage. Right? And it was and mostly control rooms, right? The most, yeah, mostly control rooms, uh, almost ex exclusively for a time. Um, and then we evolved into the digital signage world and it was cloud-based digital signage exclusively, right? So what most folks are, are familiar with, um, hosting up an AWS, uh, giving you some access to dynamic tools for creating templates and the like. Mm -hmm. um, during Infocom, what we've launched, and from the time that I just mentioned until about, you know, maybe two and a half years ago, three years ago, we've pivoted the company from perpetual to, you know, subscription-based software as a service. And that's who userful is. We are a software company. Um, and we've been a software company, you know, tailored to the needs of the AV industry. Most currently, we've just released our newest platform. And that's really been the biggest evolution is moving away from, you know, application specific deployments into more of a platform approach for AV over IP. And that is really the biggest, you know, breakthrough development that we've had here because in the older version of our software we were a monolithic code base right again we were just selling either the operation center software or we were selling some digital signage everything was monolithic it was difficult for our engineering team to manage um, updates firmware bug fixes and the like we've moved to a distributed code base that has given us exceptional flexibility with how we develop our software for the various use cases and applications in the av industry so if you think about what you've seen in the conversations you and I have had, essentially, and you, you hit the, note, you know, the nail right on the head, this isn't just about a fancy software, right? Managing content on a video wall. Can we do that? Of course. We've got feature sets for various different use cases. But there's also the infrastructure piece. And this was my aha moment through a different lens at Infocom, is AV over IP has matured through the years from IP addressable matrix switchers, where everything was still very much centralized, into IP addressable nodes, encoders, decoders, transmitters, receivers, and all the different AV manufacturers out there have now standardized on this proprietary hardware version of AV over IP. And I started to ask myself the question, well, what is their value proposition in doing that? And I, I overheard you know, quite a few folks during this past Infocom talk about the value of this distributed architecture, enabling flexibility, scalability, you know, augmenting workflows, total cost of ownership being lower. And I sat there a little bit bedaffled because these are all the same things that we talk about userful. And so it, it really opened up an area where I feel like we do need to evangelize a little bit more about how userful does AV over IP differently and that we don't necessitate 
all of the hardware infrastructure. We truly are a software platform, but because of the IT protocols that currently exist, that's how we developed our software, right? So when you think about userful, I've actually positioned us a little bit more as an IT solution than an AV solution, even though our entire solution is built around the AV industry and their needs. Mm -hmm. The reason I say that is because we're literally a server, non-proprietary, and an endpoint. And that endpoint is software, sorry, you client application. In between the two is network infrastructure. There is no, you know, encoders, decoders, transmitters, receivers, and the list goes on Mm -hmm. because we are able to transmit content and aggregate content, meaning we can pull in sources of information, visual information and, and audio information into a data library or data store that we manage on our server and distribute that information to any destination or any screen. And we do that all with IP protocols. The same, the same IP protocols, by the way, and this is how I usually get people to have the aha moment is if we were having this over a Teams meet, Dave, or, you know, a Zoom meeting, we would be transmitting video two ways. In many cases, multiple participants from multiple regions of the world sharing two-way audio and video. We would be able to share content from our local computers into that meeting. And nobody had to go out and buy a proprietary encoder and decoder to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Right? So using that same infrastructure or those IT protocols that are currently at work, IP protocols like WebRTC, for instance, we're able to build a solution that leverages those same advancements for the purposes of AV over IP. So it's a bit of a mouthful, but that's that's what right. we're doing. So you wouldn't have been able to do some of that like 10 to 15 years ago, right? Because the network infrastructure in a lot of uh, you know larger corporations hadn't really caught up with that. So you would flood a network if you were using a lot of video and so on, but things have changed. Things have changed substantially, right? I mean, um, and, and I would even I would even say it's been not even 10, 15 years ago, five, 10 years ago. Okay. And, and the reason I say that is because, you know, there, there are the laws of engineering and physics like Butter's Law, Kreider's Law, Moore's Law, which talks about how rapidly the advancements of, let's say, fiber optic networks every, you know, they're doubling every nine months, the amount of bandwidth that you can get between the fiber optic cable or the amount of processing speed that you can get out of a CPU and how fast these advancements are happening. Um, what we're doing and the way that we're doing it is taxing the CPU of that server. It's also taxing the GPU of that server, the graphics card, because those are the two major components that we use for mm-hmm. our solution. Well, if you think about just two years ago, Dave, our, our servers that we were deploying in the field were eight cores of processing. Right now, I have a server that we've certified that's 192 cores of processing. So we're able to do exceptionally and exceedingly more on a single server, which is why we've actually built our solution to be, you know, a a data center solution by and large, where you take a big beefy server, you put it in your data center and you're virtualizing all of the traditional hardware that you would need. And you're managing a wide range of AV endpoints. Mm-hmm. whether it's digital signage, meeting rooms, or operation centers, or what have you. Is there kind of a baseline for what you need in terms of the the network infrastructure? Like, it does it have to be, and I'm definitely not a, a an IT architect. 
sure. but do you need like cat six E or can you do this over Wi-Fi? or I, 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 I don't know. And I suspect a lot of people don't know. Yeah. So it's a good question. Um, so because again, because we're optimizing for it protocols, you know, we're, we're able to do a lot, right? So, um, from the screen to the switch, you know, we're just really looking for that one gigabyte uplink, right? Which is standard. Mm -hmm. Most folks are going to have that. Uh, from, you know, the server to the source to the server and all that infrastructure pulling into the server, we're looking for the 10 gig uplink. So there's, there's, there is some requirements for the network, but nothing that is outside the realms of standard network topology. The real, the real intricacies or the real areas where we get into some um, deeper discussions are when they have multiple networks that we have to traverse. When you start getting into DOD environments where things have to be air-gapped and there's no internet connectivity, um, and when networks start to get a little bit more complex, uh, that's where we have to begin to get a little bit more um, intentional about how we design it. Now, that said, we haven't yet met a deployment that we couldn't meet the network you know, requirements for, even though some, some of those more complex ones. There are two things that particularly interested me. The first was, as you laid out earlier, that you don't need all these encoders and other bits of hardware to layer into a network to make this happen. So you're uh, you're cutting out conceivably a lot of capital costs and uh, a lot of potential fail points. And uh, I guess the other thing that intrigues me, and you can talk about that next is, or, or after that first question would be the, the idea that you can use this for multiple aspects. Like I, I suspect there are control room data dashboard software components out there or platforms out there. But one of the things you talked about at Infocom is, you know, you can cascade this out to do all kinds of different things from uh, operation centers to uh, experience centers and off of the same platform. So, yeah, exactly, Dave. So, you know, to answer to answer the first question, right, it, you, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with with one of my areas of confusion when I was at Infocom and I heard people talking about total cost of ownership and they were tying it to these encoders and decoders. Um, we don't require those things. So when I think total cost of ownership, I think about a the hardware upfront costs that you don't need to have B the additional, you know, BTU output from all of that hardware that you would normally need, that's no longer going to be there, which is going to drive your HVAC costs. Right. You don't have all the power consumption. So for green initiatives and companies who are looking to do things, and this is a big one moving forward, right? Folks want to be more green and green initiatives are going, you know, carbon emissions and the like, lowering power consumption by not having all that hardware is yet another total cost of ownership benefit for userful. You know, we even have, as again, our encoding happens at the one server that we require in that, you know, NVIDIA graphics card. The decoding is done by a piece of software we develop called a uClient application. Now, where that uClient application resides, we give you tons amount of flexibility, right? We have integrated it into certain, you know, um, endpoints like WebOS or Tizen or, you know, um, Android. And that gives us the flexibility to be able to load that uClient application in various different environments and use cases, right? Depending on the display type, if it's an LCD, if it's a direct view LED, and how we manage that. In some cases, we do have a small appliance that you might need at the edge, you know, and that would be the one additional piece of hardware per display, depending on the display type, 
and that's an Android box that we load our uClient application onto if the display doesn't have the ability to integrate with our software. Um, and so if it's a smart display that already has um, a system on chip on it, it, it's conceivably you don't need that Android box? Correct. Okay. Correct. Right. So now you, what you're left with, like I said, is just a, a server with software at the edge, network infrastructure in between. So from, you know, ongoing maintenance costs, substantially lower. Initial hardware costs, lower. Your, you know, um, total cost of ownership around all the things I mentioned earlier are going to be lower. Um, therefore, your refresh costs are going to be lower because with hardware, every three to five years, in some cases, five to seven years, you're having to do a hardware refresh. It's always tied to CapEx because it's usually proprietary. They have mm -hmm. to budget for CapEx renewals of all this hardware. Because of userful's deployment model, we can take on an OpEx model for those folks who would, value, would, would benefit from that because your hardware refresh can be built into your standard IT refreshes because you own the hardware. In many cases, and as many as we can possibly you know, push for, we don't provide the server. We want the end user to provide the server. And that way it gets built into your traditional OpEx refresh. And that way the only recurring cost is the software. Um, to your next question about you know, what we spoke about and the benefits of the platform, this is where our software really begins to shine, right? Because our platform is A, accessible through a web, web browser. So no proprietary software needs to be downloaded for a user to access it. You access our software through a traditional HTML5 web browser, mm -hmm. okay? Once you access the software through a web browser, the first thing that you're going to notice is we have six applications that any user can take advantage of. Um, in most cases, folks aren't trying to eat the elephant whole, right? They'll have a use case like digital signage, right? Or they'll have a use case like meeting rooms or, you know, experiential centers or what have you. And that's one of the reasons why we're licensing the server, right? We're licensing the CPU cores and the number of graphics cards that you need on that server. So that if you have a smaller use case, your out-of-pocket costs are going to be lower because you need a smaller server. But when you log in for the first time, you're going to see, oh, I got this for digital signage, but I didn't know I can run my meeting room here. Or I didn't realize that I can do these artistic video walls. Or I didn't realize I can incorporate these data dashboards from Power BI or Tableau as a native source and share those to any display that Userful is managing. The value is seen almost immediately, right? And so what we do is we try to help people understand the peripheral or parallel use cases, right? So I use digital signage quite a bit, and I kind of gave you this analogy um, regarding airports at, at Infocom, Dave, mm -hmm. where at least a half a dozen times in the last six to eight months, I've had conversations with various airports, and most of them are pulling us in because they have an operations center, right? Airport operations center or security operations center. Um, or what have you. And they'll say, hey, we want the userful software to run, you know, the content on these displays and video walls in the operations center. And when we're having these discovery calls, I'll typically ask, hey, have you guys thought about the advantages of using our platform to help you with the signage? And I'm usually shot down rather immediately. And most folks know airports are kind of convoluted in the way that they deploy their technology. They've got various different groups. They're typically siloed. But specifically the airport operations centers, I'll just say, hey, look, I get that. But let me just throw this use case out there and see if it lands, you know, and, and hits you as, as showing value. You're in an airport operations center. Wouldn't you want to be able to manage the entire network of screens that are currently being used to show baggage, arrivals, departures, signage, you know, 
all your wayfinding screens, would it not be valuable to be able to A, manage those as part of your airport operations, but also I've noticed in many cases they'll incorporate security into their AOC. Some of them have independent security operations centers, but in either event, I would tell them, what happens if you have an incident in the airport? Wouldn't you want to be able to take over those screens from the command center that's responsible for monitoring and send strategic messages for people, depending on what the situation is? If there's a fire, evacuate. If God forbid there's an active shooter, shelter in place and be able to send strategic messages to various screens all from within your operations center. Well, you can't currently do that because you've got multiple systems driving all of these different AV endpoints. If you had a single platform, it doesn't just give you the ability to scale your deployment. It gives you the ability to scale your workflow and become more flexible to augment those workflows where I can send strategic messages to screens. I can manage arrivals and baggage from my AOC if that's such a thing that I need. In addition, we could help you with your meeting rooms, right? You can walk into a meeting room and I can help you you know, cast some content in a meeting room and have an impromptu meeting on a drop of a dime as just a few use cases of what our platform can do. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. Sometimes when you have these uh, platforms that say they, they can do uh, you know, in, in your case, at least six different things. Uh, that the, there can be compromises. In in other words, yeah, we can do all these things. It's just none of them are are particularly deep, or maybe one of them's deep and the other ones are are so so. Do do you get that question at all? So that so, ironically, no, um, we don't get that question. But it's a question most people should be asking, David. And I will mm -hmm. tell you that. Um, you know, when that does come up, and it's only come up a handful of times, I'm always very candid about what we can't do as well as what we can do. And, you know, there is truth in the fact that we are software as a service. And so there are certain applications that still have roadmap features, candidly, that we're going to continue to augment mm -hmm. and build them out, right? Um, if you could probably imagine the top three or four of our use cases would be, you know, operations centers, digital signage, meeting rooms, and data dashboards. We do those very well, right? With experiential environments, we manage those artistic video walls very well. Now, when you talk about experiential environments, there are some things that some folks might want to get involved with, but we might have to have some deeper conversations, right? And that really is around interactivity. Mm -hmm. right? Do you want to have multi-touch video walls like in a museum for kids or something like that, right? Um, where we, we have some roadmap items to help ensure that that multi-touch is what people would expect, right? You don't want to have the lag. You don't want to have any of that, um, those issues when people are trying to have that fun experience as a child or what have you. Right. So there are certain features that are still roadmap items. But what I will bookend that with is, you know, prior to coming over to Userful, I worked with, you know, one of the larger AV firms um, globally. 
And I was responsible. Based in Tampa? Also based in Tampa, yeah. <laughs> Let me guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, should be an easy one. Um, and, and while I worked there, you know, part of, you know, my interaction with customers was, man, I wish I could do more of these things with a single solution and not have to farm it out to so many folks. But more than that, I, I would have feature requests for the stuff that was out there. And it was always in one ear, out the other. I don't care which manufacturer it was. You know, if I went to some of these, these larger manufacturers and I said, hey, you really would benefit if you did this, this, or this, it just didn't go anywhere. Um, and then I had a similar conversation with Userful back in about 2018 um, at, a, at a trade show. And I said, look, you know, your software is good, but it really needs these four or five things um, to really be a, a competitor in the space that you're looking to deploy in. At the time it was operation centers. Uh, I, I'd say if it was six months, it was a long time. So within six months, I got a call from the, the, the then VP of sales who said, hey, I want to have a meeting with you, Shane. We've, we've incorporated all, all, you know, all of your requests have been incorporated into our software. Hmm. And that really pivoted my, my approach to looking at Userful as, all right, these guys are the next, you know, the future of, of AV. And, you know, little uh, um, FYI, we actually got that award from Raven Infocom, the future of AV award. Hmm. But... The, the reason for that was, look, if we're going to be software as a service, then we have to prioritize feature requests from our customers above our own market research, you know, or our own, you know, right. gut check. And so that's part of my role here at Userful as VP of marketing is I'm also over product marketing, which is over the roadmap. Right. And so I'm, I get involved in customer calls quite a bit and I'll hear some of these features that to your, your initial question is, Hey, how do you go deeper with these, these applications? Well, I look for those feed. I look for that feedback, and then I get to go back to the roadmap and go, "Hey, we need to prioritize this, this, and this feature. Push out the other features to the next release. Let's get this done because it's revenue dependent. We got customers who would value from this. Let's get it done." And we take that very seriously here at Userful, and we're at, we're at four releases a year, so you're never going to have to wait all that long, right? right? So you you referenced airports. I'm curious in, in in the context of third party software development, if there's a company, software company that works in the airport realm but is, isn't doing digital signage or some of the things you do, but they want to visualize information on displays. Could they? Is there an API or something that they could develop to uh, work with Userful, or do, does it have to be Userful? Uh, development to to add that capability on. No, we have we have an entire you know program around API, right? So we we do have our own API currently. Um, it's REST API, so we can receive you know tons of different messages and calls to to trigger certain you know reactions within our software. Uh, but additionally, that's that's got its own roadmap in and of itself, right? So we have our software application roadmap, and then we have our API roadmap where we're going to be developing even deeper integrations and capabilities, um, including but not limited to even wanting to create, you know, possible easy configuration tools for customers who can use our API and do whatever they want, you know, on site. Are control rooms and operations centers kind of the the gateway for this, uh, the 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 initial point of contact, the, the thing that gets people interested and then, it you know, other things cascade out of that? Typic so that has been our experience. Um, you know, we're trying to, we call that our land, right? So we're, we're kind of a land and expand through our platform, mm -hmm. right? Let's find the use case, let's land where it makes sense. And then let's show the, the power of our expansion. Um, and just because of how the company has evolved, operation centers have been kind of the tip of our spear. 
Um, and it makes sense because, you know, operations centers will use two or three of our applications out of the gate, right? They'll use the operations center software. They'll use meeting rooms for war rooms or situation rooms. They'll also use our, you know, our trends for dashboards and Power BI integrations, depending on what type of operations center it is. So they usually get value from a number of our use cases and applications out of the gate. And if it's a large enough organization, and we're typically, you know, targeting LDOs, large distributed organizations, they'll have multiple operation centers, which gives us multiple points of, you know, connection and, and interaction and engagement to open up opportunities to talk about the meeting rooms beyond your war room and situation room, or some operation centers are fishbowls, right? Where they want to bring folks in in their data center and they just want to use it as a showpiece to show their customers how well they manage their data. And so they might have welcome screens outside and we'll let them know, hey, you know, we can manage those welcome screens for you as well. And that evolves into a larger digital signage strategy, corporate communications, so on and so forth. Right. Um, so, yeah. These large organizations, do they have separate AV and IT departments or are they pretty much hiving into IT now? Um, so the, more and more IT is taking over. But what's happening is it used to be that they have AV specialists on staff and, and by and in large, it was for the meeting rooms, right? And in some cases, the digital signage where they had AV technicians or AV specialists on site. And those were the guys who were the gatekeepers to decide what technology gets deployed. Yeah. And, and get everything working before the meeting starts. <laughs> right. Exactly. Somehow. <laughs> exactly. Who's got HDMI? Who's got DVI? Uh -huh. um, uh, so to, to that point, right. You know, people keep talking about the convergence of AV and IT, and, and I don't know why that convergence happened years ago. Um, but people are now starting to realize that because of that convergence, the IT organization or the IT departments within these larger organizations are A, going to be the ones holding the budget, and B, are going to be the ones responsible for managing any AV resources on the network, right? And so we have intentionally built our product to cater to those IT stakeholders in the organization, right? When you say things like, hey, you can centrally monitor the entire platform from a web browser, they really get that, right? When you say we're an IT solution, we're not an AV solution, which means we're not going to put all this IP addressable hardware on your network. A lot of the walls come down from their security concerns, mm -hmm. right? You then begin to tell them that, hey, look, you know, you can augment your roles-based access control, integrate with LDAP, um, you know, plus we give you tools that are IT specific to help you monitor things like what is the impact of my network? What is my current CPU utilization? Or what's my current GPU utilization on the server that we're licensing? We give them all of those tools built into our software. So it's not just AV end user tools that we're giving. We're also giving those IT tools that help the IT stakeholders manage deployments because we recognize these are going to be kind of larger in scale. They're going to be responsible for a lot. Let's make it easy for them. And when you talk about AV as a service, it's a term I've, I've heard for a while, but you guys go at it quite a bit differently from, from what you're saying. Yeah, we do. Um, and, and I, you know, I struggle with that, Dave, because, you know, we, we were flirting with the term AV as a service and we started to use it, you know, quite a bit. Um, but I know coming from the integration world that AV as a service historically meant we're going to just finance this stuff, right? right. We're going we're to get a leasing program. 
and we're going to build in the hardware, the software, the services, you know, whatever we can into a monthly payment that makes it nice and easy for you guys. We approach it differently by saying we are software as a service that's for the AV industry. Therefore, we are AV as a service, meaning we don't have all that hardware that you have to purchase. You're truly able to deploy all of these AV use cases and manage an entire host of AV applications from within our platform. And we are a software that you pay for based on subscription, typically three-year plans. That's what we mean when we say AV as a service. It's, it's exactly that. It's a software as a service, which is, mm-hmm. which is the actual term, which is software as a service for the AV, AV world. This strikes me as something that probably has a learning curve, as every software platform does, but you, it's almost something you kind of have to ease your way into. So believe it or not, not really, right? Okay. And, and I think if that would be more pertinent if somebody was wanting to say, hey, I want to use your entire platform right now. Mm-hmm. But as I said earlier, most folks are saying, hey, I want this operations center. And you know they're familiar with operations center softwares. They, they know what they want. They know they want to be able to build custom layouts. They want to manage big, beautiful video walls. They want to be able to interact with sources with soft KVM functionality so that they're not just visualizing the sources, but they can engage with them because they've got tools, right? They've got video management tools and they've got access control, what have you. And so that software that we're providing isn't going to look and feel a whole lot different than a lot of the other softwares they're used to using, right? Now, we do it differently. So the real benefit, you know, rewinding over to the beginning of this conversation is, yes, we're giving you all these software applications and features, but it's the infrastructure that really differentiates us. Right. And I guess you're also, along with removing different hardware components from a, this kind of a network, you're also removing potentially different software applications that you'd also need because you can, you've got this stack of different things that you can do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, to that point, Dave, you know, if, you, if you're and I when I showed this at Infocom, when I gave my demos there, typically when you deploy an AV solution, let's let's call it digital signage. You know, that's the, the, the background that you're most familiar with in digital signage. Let's say use corporate communications. You'll have screens all over the office. In some cases, they'll want to be able to integrate that digital signage into their meeting rooms as well. And when the screens are in standby mode, they want to be able to have some of those corporate communications as part of their digital signage strategy, managing those meeting rooms. But when you go into the meeting room, they'll typically need some type of infrastructure to support those meetings and local collaboration. Usually it's a network of AV infrastructure, HDMI cables or what have you, going to some form of a matrix switch that's going to some type of a you know tablet controller that can give you the ability to manage what laptop is being viewed on what screen. Mm-hmm. With Userful, because the software does so much, the screens that we manage are not tied to any one specific application. And that's really the beauty of it. So I can walk into a room where they're showing corporate communication. I can sit down, open my laptop, and immediately start a meeting by screencasting whatever's on my laptop onto the screen in that room without connecting a single AV cable. Mm-hmm. Right? I could then open up my operations center software on that same screen and turn it into an impromptu war room or situation room where I'm pulling in multiple sources and building out customized layouts and navigating through a crisis. So there's a lot of things that we can do and it's not dependent on the screen. And to your point, we've reduced not just the hardware need, 
but the software as well. Hmm. All right, Shane, uh, that was super interesting. Uh, I, I know a lot more about this space than I did uh, half an hour ago. Well, it's been great talking to you, Dave. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 169 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 169 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog and the podcast, are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.